Welcome to King Salman and the Stoics, a project of denverkolel.org. In this episode, we're going to discuss the work of a lifetime, how to live an impactful life and really utilize all the gifts that we've been given to make the world a better place, to give to others. There are so many questions that come up when one tries to live an impactful life, when one tries to do good works. There's so many questions that come up and there, there's incredible insight here in chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes Kohelet for us. And let's begin. Verse 1, send your bread upon the waters for after many days you will find it. A famous quote. The idea behind this is as follows. Ramosha David Valley, the great Kabbalist and commentator here explains don't discriminate when need knocks on your door. When you go in search of opportunities to give, by all means discriminate, by all means question, try and define where you can be most impactful, where the greatest need exists, who the most legitimate um, person out there who's in need that you can be helpful to. Find it. Don't just give to someone who's going to maybe use it for the wrong reasons or doesn't really need your funds or your energy or so on and so forth or someone who's just a bottomless pit who just will just drain your emotional energy find the right place however when need knocks on your door explains Rabbi valley send your bread upon the waters the water re- represents the attribute of chesed the attribute of kindness and water is something that binds things together if you mix water with dirt you have mud you mix water with flour you have bread you have dough Water is a binder. Chesed, kindness, love binds things. It binds people together. So when opportunity knocks on your door, send your bread upon the waters. Give. Don't get too questioning. Don't get too detailed. It doesn't have to be within the waters. You don't have to swim through the depths of the sea to find the exact fish that deserves your piece of bread. Just throw it upon the waters. When an opportunity knocks at your door, just give. And the reason why that's so important is because You engage with Hashem's attribute of chesed. You engage with God's kindness. You emulate the attribute of kindness when you yourself engage with kindness. And so it's an opportunity. It's an incredible opportunity. Take it. Don't lose it. And Solomon goes on to say in verse 2, Distribute portions to seven or even eight, for you never know what calamity will strike the land. Keep on giving. Seven represents a cycle. Right, The week is seven days. Seven represents a cycle. Give seven times. Give to a system. Give the quota that you appropriated for your charity or whatever it is. You designated a certain amount of time for charitable endeavors. Give. Do that. But then give again. Even after you finish that cycle of giving, you've done the seven. Give the eight. Give again. Because you never know which act of giving is going to be the most impactful. You never know which act of giving is going to really change your life. Which act of giving is going to really change someone else's life. An exercise you got to rip the muscle a bit for it to heal and grow. Sometimes when you engage in loving kindness, you have to push yourself. You have to go the extra mile. Sometimes the stuff that was in your comfort zone, that's not what makes the real difference. We never know what type of struggles we'll face. We'll never know what type of merits we'll need. And we'll never know what type of inner fortitude and inner strength we'll need to pull forth. And so when you have an opportunity to build yourself, to build your muscle of kindness, to build your muscle of giving to build your inner worth, take it, even if it's pushing you a bit. Even if you've already given seven, give eight. Go the extra mile. In verse three, we read, if the clouds are filled, they will pour down rain on the earth. If a tree falls down in the south or in the north, wherever the tree falls, 
there it remains. And there are a couple of ideas here that I want to focus on. First of all, the commentaries explain the clouds give without thought of what they get back. They just give. They give the earth its bounty. They give the earth the rain, the life-giving waters. They don't think about what will come back to them later, but it does come back. With evaporation, the clouds eventually regain what they gave and they get it back. It comes back full circle. But initially, they give without thought of what comes back to them. And the same is true when you engage in doing good things, when you engage in kindness. Don't think about yourself. Just think about the need. Just think about filling the need. It's so important. And it gives us an incredibly more impactful way of giving when the focus is on the need and not on ourselves. But don't forget, you will gain. As Solomon told us in verse 1, after many days you will find it. It will come back to you just like the clouds eventually get back the water. It will come back to help you whether the recipient of your kindness will directly come back and help you as there's so many stories that um, that that where you find that, that the one person does a kindness and many years later it comes back to help them or their descendants. But even if it's not direct, the merit will come back to help you. And so give and don't stress about how you're getting back. Don't worry about the return on your investment. Just give, like the clouds. Also, another interpretation, and this has to do with the second part of the verse, which talks about the tree falling down in the south or the north. Sometimes the rains come, the life-giving rains, and it's too much. And trees are felled and things happen. And sometimes it's tragic. But that doesn't stop the rain from giving. And we have to know, we don't, we obviously should attempt always to, to help and never hurt with our helping. Sometimes people mean to be helpful and ultimately are hurtful or unhelpful. That obviously we should try our very best to avoid. But sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes you don't know exactly how your offer is going to be received by the, uh, by the other person, by the potential recipient of your, of your offer. Sometimes you just don't know the exact consequences. What should you do? Should you just hang back and do nothing? Right? We, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know exactly the consequences of an action or a program we initiate. We can't know everything, but we need to do our part. And that's a big part of the theme here in chapter 11. We must do ours. And then God, Hashem, does His. But we need to do our responsibilities. We need to go ahead and engage in kindness. That's our responsibility. If there's sometimes a fallout, again, we need to try our very best to avoid it. But we can't excuse inaction by saying, I don't know where this is going to lead. That's not a good excuse. We have to do, we have to give, we have to connect with people. We have to do our part. Another interpretation about the tree is that the tree is a fruit-bearing tree. And so long as it gave fruit, people watered the tree, people pruned the tree, people did everything to care for the tree as the tree gave. But once the tree falls, it's just left to rot in place and to go back to the earth. And we have to understand that so long as we produce, we produce new fresh insights, we produce new inspiration, we produce new kindness, we give to the world, we give to other people, we're valuable. But the moment we shrink into ourselves, the moment we don't produce any fruits, God forbid, like the felled tree, and we no longer have a use. So let's try to the very best of our ability to be a fruit-bearing tree. We have so much to give. We just need to stop, think, breathe deeply, 
and see the need before us. Where is it that we can be most impactful? Just one step at a time. Do one kindness. It will lead to another and lead to another. And before you know it, you'll receive so much good from the good name that you earn. And that good name that you earn will help you wherever you go. So just do give and don't, forget, don't worry about the results. Um, obviously, don't do anything stupid, but don't worry excessively about the results. Verse 4. One who watches the wind will never sow, never sow, and one who keeps his eyes on the clouds will never reap. And Solomon tells us, if you're always worried about what the result will be, if you're always concerned about the impediments, you're always concerned about the things that might obstruct what you're doing, you're always concerned about something. There's always something that worries you, something that holds you back, something that causes you, or that you hang your, your procrastination hat on and it's your excuse for inaction. Says Solomon, those excuses will never end. And the reason Rabbi Vali explains is that, that that comes from the side of the Yetzirah, Sahara, from the side of the of the evil inclination, whose job is to act as a uphill um, challenge for us to make sure that we are working and that we're not just coasting. We're not just doing what's what's in our nature to do, but we're really bringing forth new new power, new strength, new kindness. The challenge the Yitzhahara gives us is ever-present. And so if, if the reason you are not acting is based on some excuse or another, and that excuse is just an outgrowth of this idea of the evil inclination, which Stephen Pressfold in his, in his incredible book, his short book, The, um, the, the, the War of Art, his incredible book, and he goes into this idea, he calls the Sahara the resistance. And the, when a person has what to bring forth to the world around them, what to give, there inevitably are so many excuses, and they're all a result of the Sahara. They're all a result of this idea of resistance. And if you give into that resistance, it's never ending. Don't think, well, I take this excuse for, no, the excuse that's coming your way, the impediment, the, the thing that's stopping you, it's not that particular thing. It's not that particular excuse. It's a force. It's a power that seeks to stop you from bringing forth your potential, from doing the good that you can do for the world around you. And as long as you give in to that, you'll never, ever pl- plant. You'll never sow and you'll never reap. It will never happen because the excuses will never stop. The excuses will always be there. What we need to do is give up on getting past. Give up on answering the excuses. Just go to work. Just go to work. Don't worry about which way the wind is blowing. Otherwise, you'll never do. Don't worry about the clouds. It might rain today. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. I'm going to plant. I'm going to, I'm going to reap. I'm going to cut the, 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 the grain. And then it's going to start raining and the grain's going to get all moldy and it's going to get ruined. Yes, obviously, if it's, if it's on the forecast, maybe don't cut today. But if you ne- have never-ending worry about things like that, those, the excuses like the, I don't know where the wind is blowing, I don't know if it's going to rain today, you'll never, ever do. So just cut out the excuses and get to work. We don't know what the results of our actions will be. We have to do our part and we have to leave the rest to Hashem. And on this note... Verse 5 tells us, just as you do not know the way of the wind, nor the nature of the embryo in a pregnant stomach, or alternatively, that phrase which talks about you don't know what's in the stomach of that which is full, which the 
classical interpretation is it refers to the embryo in the pregnant stomach. Another interpretation is that it refers to the rain in the cloud. But the point is that you don't know what's inside. So can you never know the work of God who makes everything. Rabbi Vali explains Hashem makes everything anew each day. In Mishle, in Proverbs 27.1, as well as in the book of Ben Sirah from the, from the Apocrypha, which is quoted in the Talmud in Yavamos in 63b. Don't worry about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And the language is you don't know what tomorrow will give birth to. And that's also the language in Mishle 27. Don't exult about the happenings of tomorrow, says Proverbs, because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what tomorrow will give birth to. Tomorrow is a birth. Tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a new happening. It's a new, cha- it's new change. It's not something that you have any inkling of the potential of tomorrow because it wasn't yet born. And so don't stress and don't exalt about tomorrow. Focus on today. Focus on doing what you need to do today. Don't worry about tomorrow. You don't know the smallest thing about tomorrow because it wasn't born yet. Kohela continues with verse 7. With verse 6, my apologies. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not be idle. For you cannot know which will succeed, this or that, or whether both are equally good. Morning relates to light. Morning relates to kindness, because we can give, we can be active. It's light outside. There's a clarity. People are upbeat. People have a sense of where they're going in the morning. And we think that's where we make a difference. That's where the important moments of life are. When we do. That's what we think. And that's not the case. That's not the case. The evening is just as valuable, says Kohelet. The evening, the, the evening is a time of darkness, a time of struggle, a time of a lack of clarity. That can be just as powerful. In the morning, sow your seed. In a time of strength, in a time of clarity, in a time when you're in a sense of Go get it, a go-getter mode and you know where you're going, then do, but don't give up at night. Don't give up when the going gets rough. Don't give up when there's a lack of clarity. Who knows if pushing a little forward, a little bit forward through the darkness is not what will bring the greatest breakthrough. Who knows if that won't be what's most powerful. And certainly if you have both, if you have the ability, if you tap into the opportunity to work, to act in moments of clarity, in moments of joy, in moments of abundance, and you also take the opportunity to stick with it when it, the going gets rough, together, that strategy together is incredible. Because in moments of joy, in moments of abundance, in moments of clarity, you can advance very, very far. But the inner fortitude, the inner work that happens when you push through the moments of darkness is incredible. And so together, a person can really reach great heights. And so don't give up one or the other, but make sure that you do both. Tap into the full gamut of human expression. Tap into the full gamut of the opportunities that Hashem presents to us in life. In verse 7, Salman talks about the following idea. He says, Sweet is the light, and it is good for the eyes to behold the sun. The Sepharno explains that the light we're talking here is the spiritual intellectual illumination. The light of the Torah, the light of the world to come. And the human being has incredible intellectual capabilities. And it was created so that he can reach awesome spiritual heights. So why do, do we need to be involved in this physical world? Why do we need to earn a living? Why do we need to plow the field 
if we're capable of such incredible intellectual achievement, if we're capable of such spiritual greatness, why are we busy plowing the field? And says Solomon, yes, sweet is the light. The spiritual light is incredibly sweet. And that's the ultimate purpose is, is attaining that spiritual light. And God willing, we all will attain that spiritual light. And we need to appreciate and cherish each moment in this life when we do get an opportunity to appreciate that spiritual light. But, says Solomon, don't forget, it is good for the eyes to behold the sun. Throughout Kohelet Ecclesiastes, the sages, Rashi, um, the great commentator, brings it very often. The sun refers to this physical world. And so, says Solomon, it's good for the eyes to behold the sun. It's good to live in this physical world. Just as much, or at the same time as we say, that, this, that the, the spiritual light is incredibly valuable, and that's the true value, it is just as valuable to live in this physical world beneath the sun, because it is in this world where the rubber meets the road. It's in this world where man, who is all potential, has the opportunity to actualize self, which is really the purpose of life. It's the purpose of engaging in life. It's the purpose of what we've been discussing, which is to give to the world around you, to engage in those opportunities and to grow through them. Life is about action. And only in this physical world beneath the sun do we have that opportunity. So granted, spiritual illumination is the goal. But the way to get there, the way to become the person that you can be is through action in this physical realm. Plant, and God willing, you will reap you will yet reap the investment. You will, it will come back to you. It will build you. And for eternity, you will be grateful for the opportunity that you had to do, to give, to engage, to build yourself. In verse 8, Solomon says, Ecclesiastes, it says, Even if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. A person lives many years. And in those many years, there are, there are many days. And some days are better than others. Some days, like we said before about morning and evening, some days give opportunities to do. Some days give opportunities to enjoy. And some days give opportunities, provide us opportunity to endure. And says Solomon, a person should rejoice in all of them. Whatever the day brings, even though there are many other days that you think are much more valuable, don't belittle a single day, even the most frustrating day where you seem to be running around in circles. You have no idea what it can do for you if you endure that properly, if you accept it properly, if you embrace your reality properly. You have no idea what the value of that is. And it may just be more valuable than the incredible accomplishments that you've done on a day of joy, on a day of goodness, on a day of abundance. So enjoy all those days along the same lines that Solomon spoke of morning and evening. He tells us, if you are gifted with a long life, enjoy every single day. And whatever life God gives you, enjoy. It is all an incredible opportunity to become the person you can be. There's an, there's an uh, amazing story that I heard with my teacher, Rabbi Moshe Shapiro. There was a, sadly, there was a, there was a, young, a young-ish man, perhaps in his 40s, who came to Rabbi Shapiro and told him, he was a close student of his, and told Rabbi Shapiro that he had a few months to live. He'd gone to the doctor and was given a prognosis that was just three to six months to live. A terrible story. He was diagnosed with a, with a very, very severe illness. And he knew that he had a very short time to live. And he came to Rabbi Shapiro and he said, what should, what, what should my perspective be? What am I supposed to be thinking at this time? What should I do with this time that I have left? And Rabbi Shapiro, 
after empathizing with him and hearing him out and, and sitting with him, um, said the following incredible idea. He told the fellow, see to it that you build another floor to your inner world. Incredible, incredible words. Whatever life brings a person, a person has an opportunity to make more of self. And whatever that opportunity looks like, says Kohelet, embrace it. Embrace your fate. That's an incredible, incredible story that I heard from Rabbi Dr. Kiva Tatz um, in the name of his teacher, Rabbi Moshe Shapiro. Sometimes greatness lies more in the cheerful bearing of difficulties than in major achievements. So in rejoice in all of those days, says Solomon at the end of verse 8, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. This refers to the grave. There will be a time where we no longer will have opportunity to actualize self. There will be a time where we go through the sufferings of death, which are an atonement for the sins of this world. But the difficulties, says the Mitsudas, one of the classical commentators, the difficulties of this world build us in such a way they give us opportunity for reflection. They give us opportunity for renewal. They give us opportunity for repentance and to make amends without people in our lives and with Hashem, with God. Those opportunities, those challenges, those difficulties in this life are infinitely greater, are infinitely more beneficial to us than the suffering that happens in death. And so take the opportunity, even if times are difficult, and certainly if times are, 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 are good and there's joy and there's abundance, take the opportunity to become the person that you can become and enjoy, rejoice in that. And Solomon goes on to tell us in verse 9, King, uh, King Solomon Kohelet tells us, Rejoice, young man, in your childhood. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Follow the path of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but be, but be aware that for all these things God will call you into account. Don't make the mistake of belittling joy. Just because Solomon says, Kohela tells us, just because we've been championing the, the value of difficulties and endurance and embracing reality, however difficult it might be, just because we've been championing that before us, don't let it diminish in your eyes the value of joy. There's incredible joy, incredible value to joy. And there's opportunity for joy. Embrace that. If you have an opportunity to enjoy life, and Solomon specifically talks about youth, if you have an opportunity to enjoy life, use it as an opportunity to understand the love that God has for you, to rejoice in that, to become a more expansive person, to build your experience. It's an opportunity. It's a valuable opportunity. Granted, spiritual achievement is the pinnacle of human achievement. Granted, we have to embrace difficulty. But when there's an opportunity for joy, use it. Embrace it. Embrace that opportunity. And also embrace the opportunity of youth, whether that's literal or figurative. Embrace the opportunity of youth. Embrace the opportunity to charge forward, to feel that you want to build something enduring, that you want to express yourself in some profound way. Grab that opportunity. Don't let it up. It's, it's a very, very important part of life. However, don't get lost. Don't think that joy is something that is an end in and of itself, that it has value by itself. It has value when it builds your, your appreciation. It has value when it builds your humility. It has value when it expands your, you as a person. But it doesn't have value in and of itself. And if you go on and chase joy and chase pleasure, so know that God will bring all of that into judgment. 
there's a, an accounting, a reckoning. What did this experience accomplish? What did it do? What did it do for you? What did it do for the world around you? Did it pull you closer to God or did it pull you further away? Did it lead you to lightheadedness? Did it lead you to sin? So don't get lost. Don't let the joy lead you to sin. Make sure it's within the proper boundaries. Make sure you're not hurting anyone else. Make sure you're not hurting yourself. But enjoy life, says Solomon. And now he concludes with the following idea. In youth, you feel empowered. You feel that you want to go conquer the world. And what happens sometimes is that we take ourselves too seriously. Again, whether youth is literal or figurative, we sometimes in trying to express self and trying to make a difference and trying to live a fulfilled life, we take ourselves too seriously. And when things don't go our way, we get extremely upset. Says Solomon, rather banish anger from your heart and remove evil from your flesh for childhood and youth are futile. Don't take yourself too seriously. Like we've been discussing in the entire chapter, we don't know where the real value lies. And we may think that this path that we're setting ourselves upon is what's going to lead us to our success. It may be that we think this will allow us to give to the world in a profound way. And then it doesn't work out. Don't take yourself too seriously, says Solomon. Banish anger from your heart. Remove evil from your flesh. If you're able to banish anger from your heart, you will remove so much stress, so much evil from your life, even from your physical health. If you can let go a bit and not take yourself too seriously and realize childhood and youth, as special as they are, they are, they're futile. There's so much futility in them. So much of our ambition is empty. And so many times we make mistakes about what the proper path is. And so if it's not working out, don't take yourself too seriously. Thank you for listening and all the very best.